Hello, everybody. You're once again listening to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast about finding adventure every day and making your life a little more interesting. From Dallas, Texas, I'm James Barrett, joined as always by my co-host, Michael DeRosiers in Bangkok, Thailand, where I'm stuck at home, but fairly happy, fairly healthy and doing okay. Can you ask for more? I mean, I'm not <laughs> stuck at home, but I am because I'm bored. I don't know. Um, you know how it is. So, James, did you do anything new or adventurous this week? I did. What'd you do? I got down my old mountain bike and I cleaned it all up and got new tires for it. That is appropriate. Wow. That's that's right in line with today's episode. Yeah. And I was sort of thinking about that when I did it. And it's been in my dad's garage for years. Mm-hmm. And it's a good bike. So I got it down and I replaced things and cleaned it up. And it's really nice now. Yeah, man, I bought a bike like a week before I came to Thailand, right right before I got the job here. So I have this really <laughs> nice mountain bike in my dad's garage. Um, never really got the chance to use it too much. Maybe I need to bring it when I come to see you in Colorado. Yeah, that'll be fun. Hit the trails. I took a mountain biking class in college. It was ridiculous. Every Wednesday, we went out to Cameron Park and we just hit the trails. And that was the whole class. Which sounds awesome. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, it was great. It was so much fun. <laughs> That's basically what I did this week. It hasn't been too eventful. It's been a pretty normal week, all in all. Well, that's awesome. And that is right in line with the podcast. That's very Mm -hmm. thematic. That's cool. So what about you? Did you do anything new? I know it's challenging for you. It is, but I dabbled in a new hobby. So I was reading Outdoor Photographer the other day. And and, and I came across an article about infrared photography. Um, so you can get a modified camera or you can use certain lenses as well to do it, but cameras, digital cameras nowadays are able to actually capture infrared or the infrared spectrum, which makes for really incredible, like crazy looking pictures. So hmm. back in the day you had to use something like Kodak's aerochrome film to take pictures in infrared, which was used by the, the government and the military It was used by the government in Vietnam because it could Well, it it would reflect red off of chlorophyll, but it would reflect just green off of things that were unnaturally green. So if you take a picture of the jungle, the Viet Cong are going to stand out in bright green and the trees are going to be red. So you can see your their camouflage Mm. is useless when photographed in uh, aerochrome. It was also used by the forestry department to like track rivers because they would stand out really well against green leaves. But it but it it just puts everything in this weird kind of color cast. And so I, I got a little camera called a Kolari pocket. It's an entry level into this. It's like the cheapest little camera, but it's been converted and it's, it's infrared filter has been removed. So you can actually take some pictures, but it's a lot of fun so far. It's a, it's a way to make different things pop in your pictures. And I've seen some pictures of people that have taken infrared photography, like anchor Watt, and it just looks really like otherworldly and kind of alien and, and super cool. So I'm going to be playing around a bit with full spectrum photography, trying to get into infrared and i think it's a really interesting type of photography it's very neat it's really cool it's it's really super it looks super weird but i i like what it does um i really like alien i mean it's super cool because you can really change it and really play around with what you know stands out it's just something fun that i'm trying out and i'm trying to get into planning to take some photo walks soon and try to actually Take some pictures of Bangkok in infrared because I think that would be fun. Mm, um, it'd be very interesting to see how it looks different. 
All right. Well, James, it's it's a new month. It sure is. And you know what that means. It means that it's time to talk about last month's challenge and introduce the new one. So Mm -hmm. last month's challenge was to share your favorite local spot. And we got some great entries and we're going to be sending stickers to some of y'all. What was your favorite local spot? Tell me about it. You know, I had to think a long time. I really did. And there's not a ton of places around DFW that I would consider just really great. It's almost one giant city. There's not a whole lot of nature or anything else like that, but... A metroplex, some might say. Hmm. Two things really stood out in my mind. One is some of the back trails at River Legacy Park, which is oh, a really yeah. great nature preserve slash park slash mountain bike trail slash mm-hmm. hiking trail. And it's one of the few places in the Metroplex where you can really feel like you're not in the city because you can go and you can sit by the river and it's it's nice. It's it's really nice. And then kind of where we've hung out before or right around the baseball stadiums now. Oh, yeah. It's I don't, I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing, but it's I really like it over there. I mean, that whole area has been completely transformed in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. It looks great. I mean, you're right to say stadiums. We have the the well, I, I what I suppose is supposed to be the XFL stadium, but uh, they're coming back. Didn't the Rock buy them? Didn't he invest? Yeah, the Rock bought them. <laughs> what a guy! <laughs> I know. Shout out to the Rock. Yeah, if you want to come on. Let us know. Oh, man, can we get Dwayne Johnson on? That would be fantastic. I don't know what I would do with that. <laughs> what would we talk about? <laughs> I don't even know. Have you ever been on an adventure? Probably. But yeah, that area is really cool. There's a lot of uh, interesting shops and restaurants. We were there for your birthday a couple years we ago. We were. Yeah. And more than that, I just like the the atmosphere is fun. I, lo- I really love baseball and I just like sports in general. Sports are fun and sporting events and venues are fun. Yeah. And I have a lot of great memories of going to baseball games and the fact that that stadium's still there, the new baseball stadium is right next to it. And then the Cowboys stadium is right next to that is just, I love it over there. So those two are really what stood out to me. Every time I come back home in the springtime, at least I got to go to a baseball game and I'm super glad that they didn't tear down the ballpark. I'm glad that they're trying to repurpose it. And even though I am happy they built the new one, because mm-hmm. you know what sounds awesome? Air-conditioned baseball. <laughs> I'm all for it. I don't care what people say. Well, now we have a very weirdly shaped football <laughs> field. <laughs> it's so cool, though. Like, I went to the opening <laughs> game of the Dallas Renegades. Shout out to the XFL. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I want them back so bad. <laughs> no, well, that, that, is, that is cool. That is a great part of town. And I hope that the XFL comes back soon. Because uh, I hard XFL, I hardly knew you, and and I loved you, so I did for some reason. I don't know why, but me neither. I have, I have a jersey, I have a hat. Like, come on, I loved you guys. Come back. But anyway, what about what about you? What were your favorite spots in town? This has been a good challenge because it really did serve its purpose. Because, like for you, it made you re-examine your hometown a bit differently. For me. I was stuck very local. I had to interpret this very locally because this month I've really been stuck home. Hmm. And so I have lots of places in Bangkok that are like my favorites. I have like the Golden Mount Temple. I love that area. I couldn't get to it this month because I've been staying home. And so I really had to interpret this question to think about what is my favorite like very local spot. And there's this cool cafe that's just on the soy or side alley behind where I live. And it's on a little canal. And they make 
pretty good coffee. And you can sit by the canal and, and drink your coffee, and it's very close. Like it is just like a five minute walk from here. And so for me, that's the most interesting thing within one or two kilometers of where I live. So that's my favorite local spot, just my little coffee shop. I had to I had to reinterpret the question. But I mean, that's what it was, right? What is your favorite local spot? Mm-hmm. And frankly, the Golden Mount isn't really local for me because I only go there when I have visitors. It's in my yeah. city. But um, if I couldn't get there right now, because I'm semi, not really quarantined, but just trying to be safe at this point, if I couldn't get there, then I wouldn't call it local. So it is interesting how you had to interpret it differently than I did, because what I interpreted was this huge metropolitan area, right? Because that is one thing about us as Texans is local is a very big area just because everything's spread out. Sure. And I don't have a car. So that is Mm -hmm. completely the opposite for me. I mean, I could take the public transport, but I'm just trying to avoid it right now. I'm just, I'm just trying to stay home. So You'll have to take me to that coffee shop. I will. It, it's really nice. It's just got a nice atmosphere. It's got a cool vibe. I love coffee shops. Me too. They're, they're one of my favorite places. Yeah. Just go in there, especially if it's got like nice scenery or something. It's just nice. Yeah. I really appreciated that challenge because it gave me the chance to kind of think about my neighborhood. I'm actually glad that we did this challenge now because once you went to Colorado, it would have been really easy for you to do this. Mm-mm. But doing this challenge now is giving you the chance to look at your hometown in a different way. Yeah, and I and I do appreciate it a little more. Yeah, that was the purpose of this. Well, it's time for a new monthly challenge, and I guess let's just keep doing these monthly challenges. I know it was kind of a way to launch the podcast, but I'm really enjoying them, and I think that we I know I like them. Keep doing them. This month, it's my turn. This month, June, your challenge is to photograph a bird. Ooh. Yeah, take a picture of a bird. Practice your wildlife photography and uh, try to get a majestic hawk <laughs> or or a pigeon or you can take a pigeon with your iphone i don't care yes like, <laughs> I, a- I have a confession yeah. i love pigeons i think they're great they're one of the most adorable bird because <laughs> they're always really fat i don't know they're just they're adorable i love pigeons i don't care my fa- one of my favorite things that happens and what i'm gonna miss about living on the third floor is i have birds that land on my balcony a lot And anyway, that's a good one. I like it. All right, guys. Today, we've got an interview with fellow Bangkok expat and fellow podcast host, Mr. Greg Jorgensen. So without further ado, let's just jump right into the interview. Welcome back to the Attempt Adventure podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend Greg Jorgensen fellow Bangkok expat and host of the excellent Bangkok podcast. Check it out. Oh. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on to chat with us today. How are you doing? Hey, man. It's good to see you even virtually because the last time I, I think last time we saw you was like a year and a half ago or more. Oh, I know. I know. I haven't seen it. It's good to see anyone <laughs> these days, <laughs> quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a virtual beer with my buddy online the other night and it was, it was nice, but it can't repl- replicate the real thing. I know. We do the best we can, right? And uh you know, I think we got a little bit spoiled here in Bangkok for a while. Um, yeah, we kind of yeah had that had that period where we got a little bit. Um, I don't know, maybe call it hubris. We 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 got a bit lazy, I think. Um, and yeah, but uh, you know, chickens come home to roost, y'all. That's right. So we're all staying inside nowadays. That's right. That's right. Anyway, so uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? 
Well, I'm I'm Greg, and I I uh, was living in Canada in 2000, and uh, with my was my my roommate was my best buddy Mark. We'd been friends since we were 14. This was when I was 25, and uh, yeah, I came home one day, and uh, and Mark said, "Hey, why don't we go to see Penny in Thailand?" Because we had a friend named Penny who had moved here the year before, and I said, "I can't just go to Thailand." And he said, "Why not?" And I said, uh, "I don't know." <laughs> I guess I could just go to Thailand. <laughs> right. I thought about the more I thought about it, I was, uh, you know, I, I had very little debt. Uh, I had a job that was all right, but I wasn't going to, not a career. I had a girlfriend that I, that I loved, but I didn't want to get married or anything. So, so I figured like, uh, well, if not now, when? So we planned a four month trip. We planned it for a year, saved our shekels and, um, came over here for four. We were going to stay for four months. And, uh, my buddy left after 12 days. He just was not. <laughs> <laughs> didn't click no yeah. no he wasn't digging it he was in love with the yeah. idea of travel mm-hmm. but actual travel is is a bit different from the romanticized version that a lot of <laughs> definitely yeah 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 so i was just like well the hell with you i'm gonna stay so we uh we you know we hugged and he took off home and and i just bummed around chiang mai for the next year and then i ended up getting a job in bangkok and bam it's uh that was in 2001 I think, I think a lot of people here have a story like that. You know, I mean, I came for a one year contract and now I've been here eight years, you know, you've been here eight years. I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. It's, it's been eight years now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's just, and now I, I don't really see myself going back now, you know, now I've got my fiance here and this is home. You know, I've lived here a lot longer than I've lived pretty much anywhere else. (laughs) <laughs> that's so, that's funny yeah every every year i yeah. do a little bit of math actually to be honest with you i let the internet do a little bit of math for me i do like right. google do it because i'm not so good at percentages right, right. but I, I i'm coming i'm coming up on 50 percent of my life oh, that man. i've lived in bangkok man yeah no I, w- I was thinking about it i'm like i was talking to a friend of mine it's like i don't know how to do like adult stuff back in the u.s like i don't know yeah. how to like get a sim card i don't know how to do banking like there's so much stuff i've never had to do because i've been here I mean, literally totally. since two days after I graduated university. I mean, I've been here like since then. So I've yeah. never been an adult in the U.S. People I ask mean, me about what is, you know, like Canada, how does the healthcare system? I'm like, well, you know, I, don't know. I think yeah. it works like this. I'm like, I don't know. I was 26 years old when I left. Oh, you're invincible at 26. You never need to buy insurance or I know. You know, worry about this stuff. So I have no idea how it works. I know. I know. People will be like, how much does a phone plan cost in the U.S.? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Let me, let me Google that for you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm married. Uh, we, my wife and I have a son. My wife is Thai. We have a son uh, who's six years old. And, uh, you know, we've talked about going back mostly because of my son. You know, I mean, the Western education is a powerful pull. Yeah, um, sure. But, uh, you know, my folks live in Panama. Uh, my sister is a little bit flaky and I don't know where she's going to be ending up. And I've got a couple of cousins and stuff left in Canada, but there's really no reason for me to go back. And we've got a pretty good life here. Uh, my wife's yeah. family is here. My son speaks Thai and English. Uh, Bangkok is an, it, it might not be like the safest or, you know, cleanest city for a child to be brought up in, but it's a hell of an interesting city. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, I think, I think we're going to stick, stick around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I don't know, I'm sure this isn't like a major factor. Now, I don't know about you. I'm from Texas. Obviously, you're from somewhere a lot colder. But even for me, when I go back to Texas now, I'm freezing. Like, I, I have no tolerance for the cold anymore. I mean, like, yeah. when you go back to Canada, I mean, I imagine, well, I know it gets way colder than it does in Dallas. <laughs> well, first of all, I'm from Alberta, which is the Texas of Canada. It's 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 full of rednecks and horses and cowboys. 
um, you know, racists and yeah. <laughs> what have you, <laughs> and guys who wear cowboy hats with suits who just are the dumbest looking fools in the world. <laughs> just my opinion, but uh, but yeah, like uh, Canada's weird. In the summertime, it's it's beautiful, often warmer than Bangkok can get in Canada in the summertime. But yeah, the last time I was back in Canada for for Christmas, which was geez, probably twelve years ago now. Uh, it was minus 34 degrees Celsius on the day that I, the day that I left. (laughs) Right. So like, like like Texas with this Christmas, like cold weather is, I don't know, like maybe zero, maybe (laughs) rarely. (laughs) And I I think that's cold. So like, I don't know. I've, I've gotten used to this here now. I, I think we've got a good thing going, even if it gets a little bit hot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. I would rather have, you know, sweat dripping down my back. Right. You know, numb fingers and yeah, you know, sure. Freezing and at least cold everything radiators. is air conditioned to an incredible degree here. Yeah, I went to Dreamworld, the sort of the cut rate tie version of Disneyland here a few few years ago with my son, and we went to the Snow World, which is basically sort of like, you know, the crushed ice is snow. Right. It's, it's kind of a, a sad facsimile of real snow, but it it does the job. And it was it was six. I don't know how how long, how cold is it? I think no, I was like it was like two degrees celsius or something like that and i nearly died i was so cold i was i'm like it must be minus 20 in here and like, I, I have up no tolerance for this yeah yeah right. i'm like nope never again nope <laughs> hilarious yep no i i get that totally get that awesome all right well hey one one of the big reasons that i wanted to have you on today is um about talk to you about your your biking adventures feel like every time I see you, I'm like, man, I got to get a bike. I hear about your <laughs> adventures and I'm like, I got to buy a bike and I just haven't. But I want to talk to you about your biking adventures. And I know you do quite a lot of that, right? Uh, yeah, I used to do a lot of it before yeah. I had a kid. And um, those of those of you who are parents who are listening know that uh, having a child completely derails any free time or social life you have. Sure, yeah. Um, so I, I used to go on rides uh, every other weekend with my buddies and we used to do 70, 80, one time I did a hundred kilometers, which is the most I've ever done. And I nearly died, but I did it. And, uh, yeah, the type of biking that we really like to do in Bangkok is I call it urban exploratory biking. It's not road biking. Right. It's not speed. It's, it's me and my buddies. Most of us have mountain bikes of some type. And we put some work into Google maps and we come up with mm-hmm. really, really interesting windy routes through all of the back soys and Klong canal pathways and small roads. And if you know anything about Bangkok, you know that most of the city actually is located off of the main roads. And it's just got miles and miles and miles and miles and miles of twisty maze-like soys or alleys that, that go back into who knows where they go. And by using Google Maps and zooming in and out on the satellite mode and then the map mode, and dragging a line and we can sort of build a route from point A to point B oh, cool, through these yeah. incredibly interesting back neighborhoods and shortcuts and and stuff like that. So a lot of people, when they first hear about biking in Bangkok, it's, they're like, oh my God, you got a death wish, you know, and I would never say that biking in Bangkok is safe. It's not. Yeah. But we don't fly down Rama 4 Road or Sukhumvit Road on our mountain bikes. We do as much as we can to stay away from traffic. Well, you know, they have those like those city bikes, those green ones that you can rent. I've never seen anyone using those. I don't think those, anyone's brave enough to be like biking in downtown, really. Those bun bun bikes, yeah. I yeah. see some of those sometimes. And, and don't get me wrong, I have ridden in traffic. Uh, for you know, a few years ago, I started to, to decide, I decided to uh, ride my bike to work. 
and I would ride straight up Siloam Road to Central mm-hmm. World. Um, now, in the morning, it was brush hour traffic, and traffic wasn't moving fast anyway. Usually, I was the fastest thing on the road. Um, but, you know, then my son came along, and my wife was like, you know, basically, it's just... Yeah, it's just a numbers game. The more you ride, the more likely that something will happen eventually. And uh, so I so I, so I cut that out. Yeah. But um, I, I don't do as much ride, biking as I used to. I try to get out maybe once a month now and we do f- mm-hmm. you know, 50, 60 kilometers. Um, but uh, it's a great way to see the city and you find some really, really cool parts that people just don't know about. Well, yeah. I mean, even if you're just walking, the deeper you get into the soys, like the weirder the stuff that you're going to see and, and the cooler yeah. the stuff that you're going to see. Yeah, you ride through someone's, you know, someone's city, a couple of old dudes sitting at a card table outside of some, some, you know, Muban back behind the, off the main road. And they, they, you, you know, they invite you to sit down with them and have a drink of whiskey or something. And, you know, they're, they're fumbling with English and I'm fumbling with Thai. And a lot of times we're in areas where there's not a lot of foreigners. And to see a foreigner flying by, and it's like, oh, like, farang, farang, which is means, yeah. <laughs> right. you know, farang, farang. Kids, kids are pointing it out to us, and we sort of make it a point to uh, be very friendly and very polite, um, very yeah. patient. Uh, you know, we're not these assholes that fly through a neighborhood, get out of our way, you know. It's, 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 we always make it a point to be very like, hello, excuse me, hello, and we stop and wave at kids and stuff like that. So it's a very social, um, yeah. fun, way to see the city i think that's great especially like right now during covid when there's just like not that much that we can do and there's not much we can like responsibly do i feel like biking is a still a, a really good way of getting out and uh, getting yeah. exercise and um everyone's getting their you know their quarantine 15 that they were talking about we're all stuck inside and we can't walk quarantine around 15. and <laughs> we need to exercise a little more i guess um yeah well i, I mean actually during the first but, lockdown which was god it seems a whole it's lifetime like a year ago now. wasn't it yeah yeah, when when it was really a shock to the system for most people. Now we're just kind of yeah. used to it. Like, oh, here we go, another lockdown. Yeah. Um, but I, I I made a series of videos which I put on my YouTube channel uh, with my ca- handlebar mounted GoPro uh, of just these these rides that I would do, and it was sort of like, hey, if you're stuck at home and you're really bored and you still want to see a bit of Bangkok, watch these videos. And so mm-hmm. I got some pretty good responses. Yeah, and again, I was like, man, I got to get a bike. <laughs> Uh, our, our, um, that's another thing to talk about too, is because God, about you know six, eight years ago, there used to be a lot of places in Bangkok where you could rent a bike easily. Really? Um, and there's just not a lot of them anymore. And I don't know why there's probably in, in you know, pre COVID, there was probably two places I know that would, that would rent you a good, sturdy, high quality bike for the day. So when are you going to get a bike? Well, I mean, hopefully soon I've, I've been looking online just kind of, I, I don't know I can't quite decide what kind of bike I need to get. I'm kind of knocking around some ideas. I don't know if I should get like a folding bike. What are your thoughts on folding bikes? Because part of my problem is I don't have a car. So if I go out somewhere and I get tired, <laughs> I'd like to be able to either take the train back or, you know, throw it in the back of a taxi or something like that. But, uh, what do you, what do you think about folding bikes? Very good questions. I'm not a fan. I'm a big dude. I weigh like, you know, 120 kilograms ish, probably, probably more than that these days. God, dude, COVID has not been good for my diet. I'm just sitting at home eating all day long. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, so I, 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 I have a, uh, I splurged recently and I bought a nice, um, specialized carbon fiber mountain bike. But before that, uh, for years I was just riding, um, Trek, you can get them a pro bike down on down by Lumpini Park there for 
you know, 15, 18,000 baht, which is like 450 bucks or something like that. Right, right. Um, not a ton of money, but they were good bikes and they would last me for years. The problem with Bangkok is that they always, every once in a while, some government minister wants to score some points and he comes out and he's like, I'm going to make Bangkok a bike, bikeable city. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. You know, so they spend a whole bunch of money on putting bike paths down and pylons on the road to block them off. And then, you know, three months later, they're painted over and the pylons are all gone. And here come the motorbikes, right? And it's all, <laughs> it's all motorbike Exactly, lanes. exactly. <laughs> and the BTS and the trains, you, you can't take a regular size bike on the subway. You can only take a folding bike on the subway. And a regular size bike, you can only take on the BTS, the SkyTrain. You can only take it between, the, between 6 and like 8 a.m. and then like 8 and 10 p.m. or, or something. Like real odd hours, yeah. Yeah, like useless. It's totally, totally useless for anyone who wants any type of normal commuting experience. So they make it really hard to do. Now, I have a car and a bike rack, so it's pretty easy for me mm-hmm. to get my bike and, and bomb out to somewhere. But yeah. the good thing about riding in Bangkok, whether you have a foldable bike or not, is that this has happened a lot of times, is that you can just flag down a, um, a tuk-tuk. And in, in my little biking bag that I have with me all the time, I have a bungee cord. I just tell the, the tuk-tuk guy like, hey, here's my address. How much is it going to yeah. be? And it's 200 baht or whatever, which is expensive, but it's like, yeah, you know, eight, eight bucks for a ride home. Pff, yeah, here you go. You know, <laughs> and I've had my chain, my chain has fallen off and I got in a flat tire. And some days I'm just, it's just too hot. I'm like, the hell with this. I am done. So that's a great thing about Bangkok is it's, it's super easy. Just flag down a tuk-tuk and be like, home jeeves. Tie your bike to the back and off you go. Awesome. So uh, well, what are some of your like best bike adventures you've been on? Either your most epic or your, or your most disastrous or your most interesting experience that you've had? Oh, you know, like there's one we were on. I don't even know where it was. It was, it was probably east of Bangkok out towards the airport. And we, and we were taking our, our route between two roads across this sort of like grazing field. And there was a, a, a herd of uh, water buffalo. And oh they start, right! Yeah. They started chasing us, well, so we're like, <laughs> "Holy really shit!" We're terrifying. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we're like, are they are they just coming to see us, or are they going to try and kill us? We don't know. Yeah. So we're we're pedaling over this bumpy, muddy, marshy field. Like, let's go, let's go. You know, there's been times where, um, you know, we've had to uh, stand on the on the front of a boat crossing the river because there's no more room inside. It's full of people and. The guy's basically just like hop on the front and hold your bike in one hand oh. <laughs> over the side of the boat and then hold yeah. on to the railing of the boat with the other hand and we'll get you across the river. That's fairly standard. Um, I go out with a friend of mine, my, my buddy Paul Gibbs. He's the kind of guy that like if he doesn't need to hack his way through the underbrush, it's not a real bike ride. Oh, no. So, yeah. you know, we've, we've been on, you know, standing on rafts going across these stinky clongs holding the bike over our head. Oh, you know, <laughs> Um, the, the most disastrous experience was, um, I, it wasn't really a disaster, but one memorable, not cool ride was, uh, my friends and I decided to take the train up to a UTA one morning and then ride back to Bangkok. It's about 75 kilometers and it was a really hot day and the route we were on had no or very little trees. So there was no shade and it was just too hot for me and I wasn't handling it very well. And it got to the point where every water stop we made, I would buy one bottle of ice cold water to drink and another bottle of ice cold water to pour over my head. So it was, you know, orgasmically awesome when you did that, just, oh, you know, but when we stopped for lunch, we stopped for lunch 
And, uh, and I, and I was like, I'm so, I'm dying. I'm so hot. I got to sit right in front of the air conditioner. And it was this one of these restaurants with these giant stand up air conditioners that had like a million BTUs. I don't know how powerful it was, yeah. but it was blowing this Arctic air out right over me. And for the first few minutes, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And then after about 10 minutes, I realized I'm like, I'm not feeling well at all. Like I went from maximum heat to yeah. maximum, you know, water evaporation and sweat evaporation. And, and, uh, by the time I got, we arrived at Northern Bangkok, this island called Kokret, um, I was very nearly, I was on the doorstep of heat stroke. I had a killer headache. My face was red and puffy. And I was just like, I, I got to take a taxi home. So I managed to flag down a taxi. And the problem with getting a full-size mountain bike like mine and a taxi is I usually have to take the front wheel off. No problem. So I did that, stuffed the bike in the trunk, jumped in the back seat, told the driver where to go. And he dropped me off at home. And when I got home, I realized that I'd left my uh, front tire on the side of the road. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. and, oh, no. And I was like, oh, should I go back and get it? And at that point, I was just like, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm going to puke. The yeah. hell with it. I'll just buy a new one. Little did I know that you, it's really difficult to buy bike rims singular. You need to really? buy them in pairs. And they're not oh, cheap. No. And I didn't have a lot of money at the time. So it took me like, you know, five or six months to get a new pair of rims oh, for my gosh. <laughs> See, that's actually, a, that's a ride I've always wanted to do, the Bangkok-Ayutthaya ride, but there's no shade. I mean, even riding around Ayutthaya, like if I visit Ayutthaya and I rent a bike up there, it's miserable. It's always hot. <laughs> it yeah, never feels It's one good. of the hottest places in Thailand. Uh, Ayutthaya and Kanchanaburi are two of the hottest places. Um, but I think that'd be a, a super cool ride. But I guess, I, I don't know, what's the advice there? Just like, don't like go in like January or go in, <laughs> go in the winter. Go, go or... yeah, go in December or January. Yeah. <laughs> right. Man. Have a support that's... van. See, that's that's a really good uh, good point because it, it is hot. I mean, it is really really hot here. Uh, I mean, even in the winter, mm-hmm. it can be hot. And like heat stroke is a serious, I guess, thing to be watching out for, huh? Yeah, and like I said, but you know, it seems cliche, but it really is easy to underestimate like the difference between going biking when it's thirty two and the difference between going biking when it's thirty four. It's yeah. a big difference, and it can really catch you. It doesn't sound like much. But- no, it doesn't, and it can really catch you off guard. Um, you know, you're for every one degree of extra temperature you have, your your energy core drains like eight percent faster than normal. Yeah, or whatever it is. I mean, so what is yeah. some of your like, I guess, best advice? It's a good question. If you if you're if you're a total noob to it, I would recommend um, joining one of the many many bike tours that are in Bangkok, okay. just to give you an idea of what to expect. Uh, you know, there's Kovan Kessel, there's Grasshopper Adventures, there's Spice Roads. There's a lot of different bike tour companies. Um, and they give you a, it gives you a really good primer on, on, you know, what riding a bike in Bangkok is like and how cool it can be. Other than that, I would say, uh, you know, just get, make sure you're at the point where you're very, very comfortable on a bike and understand that you can't, if you need to, you're going to be okay riding in traffic. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not, if you don't feel confident doing that, then I would say don't, you know, don't do anything very long. If you do do a ride, keep it short. And right. stick to the back soys uh, and get lost um, and always bring a bungee cord and be prepared to flag down a tuk-tuk. That actually, uh, the back soys, that's actually another question. How do you find cool areas? Like I know you say you, you like open up the satellite and uh, Google Maps and things like that, but do you sort of have a, a neighborhood in mind or what is your trip planning like? Like how do you, how do you um, plan a ride? One, like one of my favorite rides is from, uh, mm-hmm. from my house, which is very close to Taxin Bridge 
up to Cockret, okay. the island that I mentioned earlier where I lost my rim. <laughs> um, and that's about 35 or 40 kilometers from Taxon Bridge to Cockret. Cockret is an island in the middle of the Chaprea River. So basically what I do is I draw a line on Google Maps, my Google Maps engine, from Cockret to Taxon Bridge. And then I just zoom in. And then I'm like, okay, I'll drag. And then I just drag the little, I'm not sure what you call them, the little points little, on the line. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay, I'll go down this road and then I'll go down this road. And then okay. I wonder if I can go down that road. Oh, there's a canal here. And then it'll switch to the satellite view. And if you zoom in, you're like, oh, I can see a little bridge there on the, across that canal. Okay, so I can definitely go across there. Uh, or like, oh, there's no bridge at the end of this road. So that means I've got to cycle down here to where there is a bridge and go across here. Um, right. Sometimes you turn on the directions and it'll show you, um, or the street view, Google street view. And the blue lines pop up, you know, and that'll show you where cars have been. So if a car can go there, a bike can go there. That's a good way to do it. Um, and then it's just a lot of trial and errors too. Like, you, okay, you've got a route in mind and then you head out to do it. And then you realize, oh, Google thinks that this is a, a road when it's actually a brick wall. So I've got to find a way around. Um, so then you have to adjust when you come home and it's a bit of trial and error, but that can also be fun as well. Um, cool. So that's one of my favorite rides because not least because there's a uh, chit beer on Cochrane. Oh, right. Yeah. Very famous chit beer. So, so what we do is uh, we get a bunch of buddies, usually about six or eight. Uh, that's a good number. And then we ride up there and we hit chit beer, uh, drink way too much beer. And then we have a long tail boat meet us there. Oh, cool. And then we, we throw our bikes in the boat and then he just bombs back down the river to Taxon Bridge. Man, that sounds great. Yeah. It's an awesome day. Very cool. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And I, I like Cochrane anyway. I think that's a really neat area to explore just anyway. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I've been doing recently, trying to explore by foot, not really necessarily plotting out routes, but um, just getting on Google maps. And, you know, if I see a temple, I'll kind of click on it. I'll put a little flag there and then it pops up other like areas of interest around to kind of, you know, you might like, I don't know, this place or this place or whatever. I mean, I've been here eight years and I'm still seeing new stuff every time I go out. I'm sure you probably are as well. I mean, you never, you can never see it all. <laughs> right. Definitely. Recently, I've been doing a lot of walking actually. Biking is is, is fine, but um, to, to get any uh, any amount of like a good bike ride in, you're looking at at least half a day. And um, I, I, you know, I want to be home with my kid on the weekend. And so I don't want to be out as, as often. So what I've started doing now is I have a really nice route, which is actually a couple of biking routes that I put together. Um, it's a 10 kilometer walk from my place and it's a little loop up, uh, through Tonbury past like Icon Siam and up to the Memorial bridge, cross the bridge and then back down through Chinatown on the other side. Oh, nice. And it's a great walk. It's 10, 10 or 12 K. Uh, it takes me about two hours and it's, it's, it's better than sitting at home on the sofa, like a slug. Cause that's what I do all week anyway. No, that's really cool. I've been doing something similar, just trying to get out, you know, get some exercise, some fresh air in this time. What part of um, Bangkok do you live in? I, I live on Lat Prow, Lat Prow Road, like real up, up real close to like Union Mall, Central Lat Prow. I don't know that area very well at all. Real close to Chattachek Park. Um, so I can get to the park. Uh, of course, it's closed right now. So I've been trying to be creative. You got to um, wear your mask. Um, so it's yes. a bit gross at the end of the walk. You feel like you have a wet wipe across your face. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. I mean, other option is what 20,000 bought fine and right. <laughs> nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah. And I started an Instagram account called um, Bangkok doorways, yes, which is just, I wanted to talk to you about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just pictures of interesting doors in Bangkok. And it's super cool. Cause there's a lot of really weird looking doors in Bangkok. 
Yeah, I, I, I took a picture the other day on one of the walks I was on, and uh, I, I took it about five seconds too late because it was a big, beautiful, I can't remember, blue door, and it was in quarters. Like there was like like a line down the middle and then a line having it, but one of the the bottom right quadrant was another door. And this this old woman, like it was like something out of Labyrinth. This old woman bent down and like sort of like That's went a, through the door, like in, into Wonderland or something. Crazy. Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> so and I ran. I, I like sort of like walked over real quickly to take a picture. But by the by the time my camera started, she had closed the door. So I just got a picture of the big door. You know, stuff like that. You, you you're never you're never ever gonna see. That's that's super cool, and I did want to talk to you about that because I think that project is really interesting. It's like a really creative way to to see the city. Like I said, I mean, I've been here eight years and I'm still not done seeing everything in the city, Uh, but there's definitely times where I kind of forget that I'm living somewhere so exciting. You know, I I do my job and I come home and I, you know, I hang out with my cat and I just have just a regular life, you know? Um, Same. And I think a lot of times people back home think that I'm living this really exciting life all the time, but it's just a regular life, really. And, And sometimes I have to remind myself, you know, oh no, Bangkok's really cool. There's a lot of stuff to see. I mean, and that could be anywhere, but how do you keep it exciting? How do you keep finding cool stuff to do even after you've lived here for a couple of years? And it's interesting. And we've talked about this on, on my podcast, the Bangkok podcast a few times, because one of the things that I think is important to keep in mind when you are a Farang in any place, but let's just use Thailand. When you're a Farang in Bangkok, a foreigner in Bangkok, and you have a Thai partner, you know, for me, even though I've been here 20 years, like I still find everything kind of cool still like getting on a motorcycle taxi or getting some mooping like the barbecued pork and some sticky rice like it's 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 about as boring as i get but it's still kind of cool yeah i don't i didn't grow up with that and it's still like a little bit neat but for my wife i have to keep in mind that it's not for her this is what she's grown up with and it would be like me getting excited about you know seeing a a bull in a field in you know okotoks (laughs) where I grew up, you know? So for me, I get a daily charge of energy from just existing in Bangkok, Mm -hmm. even if it's a small one, but my wife doesn't. And, um, I think that's important to keep in mind because I could be like, oh, this is really cool. But your partner could be like, oh, so bored of life. I need to change. But I'm not bored of Bangkok. I, I think it's just a really cool, chaotic city. And I think, I think my, my friend who came here with me is a good example. It's, it's not for everyone. A lot of people come here and just hate it, and I get it. It's it's kind of shambolic, and it shouldn't work. But uh, I think to to be someone who thrives here, uh, you have to sort of be someone who appreciates that slight edge of danger and unpredictability. Well, and it's like that thing that you've talked about a couple times on your podcast too. It's that you kind of have to be a little bit of a weirdo to live mm-hmm. here, right? <laughs> like everyone that has uprooted and and moved here, everyone has to be a, a bit I don't know creative or chaotic or a little bit of a nonconformist in, in one way or another. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, a nonconformist, yeah. Yeah, I really liked that, uh, your your thesis that you guys had about that, because I think that's super true. I mean, everyone that lives here has some crazy or interesting story. Right, like you know. who, who ever grows up and dreams about leaving everything familiar behind? Like Exactly, yeah. No one yeah. wants to do that. It's not easy. Um, so like- no one, no one's like, man, I can't wait to grow up and forget about this. Run place away to all, Thailand. All yeah. these people and, <laughs> and be confused and weirded out and grossed out and lost and scared right. for a significant right. amount of time. I can't wait, you know? Um, so to do that and make it work, you need to be a certain type of person. Let's just call them weird. Yeah. 
Yeah, in the, in the best possible way, I would say. Uh-huh. But uh, but definitely, and I think that part of that creativity, I think it's it's important to keep finding the excitement in the city. And when I go back to visit my family in the U.S., also there's a new perspective because when I'm back in the U.S., I'm on vacation, right. and so I'm you know maybe renting a car and driving somewhere that I haven't been before or trying my best to to see something, but. Yeah. Well, uh, before COVID hit, I was supposed to go home to Canada in uh, May 2020. And uh, I finally ended up just being like, I, I, I got to cancel this trip. But I was going home because I was just I was just going to go by myself. My wife and kid were going to stay here and I was just going to go for two weeks. And it was going to be just a quick, dirty trip. Like I was going to sleep on my buddy's sofa. I was going to have cold pizza for breakfast. Like it was going to be a super budget, low, lo-fi trip because I'm 46 years old. Uh, you know, guys, I went to high school, some of them have died, you know, um, the parents of my friends who I grew up with, who I was very, very close with growing up with, they're getting up into their seventies and eighties now, and they're not Mm going to be around forever. And I only get home once every five years. Yeah. You know, um, because there's so much other places in the world to see. And if I'm going to spend a ton of money on a family vacation, I'm not going back to Okotoks, Alberta. (laughs) Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to Italy or New Zealand or something, right? You know, so I want to do this trip by myself because um, I was like, it's not going to be fun for my wife. My, I don't want my son there. It's just going to be boring yeah. for him. But I basically just, I called it my farewell tour. I mm-hmm. was going to go back and see all my friends and see all of their parents and all the people that I grew up with. Maybe a lot of them for the last time because I'm not going to be going back for a number of years. And then the pandemic just sort of kicked everything up in the air. So you who knows what the hell's going to happen now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean do you have to plan to go back anytime in the next year or or have you like moved it back any or kind of uh no that that's that's sort of postponed indefinitely I, I i i guess once i get a vaccine fingers crossed yeah uh, i could probably figure something out but like i said my mom lives in panama yeah and she's been here to bangkok a bunch of times and she loves it mm-hmm. but um she's 72 now mm-hmm. and um we were we were planning on going down to Panama, me and my wife and my son, to see her, which would be great. But yeah. do you know what an antipode? I'm not sure if it's antipode or antipode. It's uh, it's <laughs> the the opposite the opposite point on a sphere to another point. Oh, okay, okay. The village my mom lives in is about 200 kilometers away from the antipode to Bangkok. Oh no, so kidding! So you literally cool. you literally could not do a more distance trip on the planet right. Earth. <laughs> So getting there is going to be a nightmare with a six-year-old. It's going to be jet lag and who knows what else. And it's going to be super expensive. Um, So in the end, I was like, you know what? Um, And and, and of course, with the quarantine, with the the pandemic, if we have to do quarantine there and quarantine back, it's just not possible. That's a month. Yeah, that's a month of your time lost in quarantine. Yeah. And I've got a boring office job, right? I'm not, you know, I've I've got limited vacation days to take. So... um, (laughs) So I figured, I was like, you know what the hell with this? Like, it's cheaper to get my mom to fly my mom here. She can spend two weeks in quarantine. She's retired. It would be, ch- and, and it would be cheaper for her to spend two months here on, at my expense than it would, than it would be for us to fly three of us down there for two weeks. Right. Right. So that's the plan now. Hopefully by the end of this year, I can get her over here, over here for a few months. Yeah. And then maybe I'll take that solo trip to Canada. Yeah. Man. So yeah, it's it's and the, but you know this all comes back to the main the bottom line I think of your podcast is that you know Bangkok is like even on the boring days it's still a bit of an adventure here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, and I've got like you said, my friends back home, 
maybe they think I'm living this crazy, exciting life when I'm really doing the same thing they are. I wake up, yeah. I go to work, I'm the, sit in front of a computer. Um, yeah. I come home, I watch a Netflix, I play with my kid, I go to bed, you know. Um, but but Bangkok does have does give you the opportunity to have shenanigans and adventures yes. on a scale that my friends just are not able to do back home. Uh, yeah, something always, some, there's something always is happening, no matter where you go. Like yeah. something crazy, something yeah. weird, and half the time you won't understand it, and you have to kind of just get used to not understanding anything that's happening. And that's part of the fun, I guess. It's part of the fun, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So, so what would you say is your like favorite and least favorite thing about living here? Because I mean, obviously you love it, but um, yeah, um, I think my favorite thing is is because yeah. I'm a city boy, and a lot of people might not like this. I just, I just like the buzz. The this is just this. I, I am. I've never been to New York, but I imagine it's a New York feeling or or something you get in. You know, it's, it reminds me of Tokyo. It's just, it's just always something. There's always movement. There's always noise. There's always color, and it's just. Everything is interesting here. Right? I find everything interesting, you know, and there will be times, and this is maybe a bit pie in the sky, but there'll be times when I'm walking down the street or shopping in Icon Siam or on a bike ride or a walk. And I'm like, how did a kid from Alberta, Canada yeah. end up doing this in Bangkok, Thailand? Like that to me is cool. Um, so I just, I just really like it here. It's, it's, it's fun and it's interesting and it's culturally varied and the people here are really neat and, and interesting. Um, what I don't like here is uh, just nothing special. The usual stuff. The fact that you know you're you're always a an, an outsider. You're never considered a, a citizen. Even if I got citizenship, which I'm hopefully going to be getting eventually, um, I would never be considered a Thai. I'd be the Farang who has Thai citizenship. Right. Uh, that's a bit tiring. You know things like double pricing and you know the the inefficiency of certain systems and things don't work the way that that I expect them to or yeah. that I want them to, or that I think they should and nothing, nothing new there, but yeah. it does, but it, it can wear you down over years and years. No, I, I, I get, I get it. I totally get it. I think eventually I want to get citizenship just because I'm so spiteful about the dual pricing system. I just want to be same. able to like pull it out and be like, ah, sucker. Yeah. Like- <laughs> same. When I go to a national yeah. park, they're like, Oh yeah, that's 400 baht. I'm like, Nope. Slam down my ID card. <laughs> Here's here's your forty bot, and you're gonna. There smile. are so many other better reasons to get it, but that's what I care about. You know, it, it annoys right. me so much. If they, on the on the application form, it was like reason for applying for citizenship. I'm just gonna yeah. spite. I want yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, yeah. Sweet. Well, uh, another question. Whenever we have a guest living in another country, which you are, or somewhere interesting, I always like to ask them about their favorite food and what they would recommend. And now this is especially interesting to me because if you've got some good recommendations, I'm certainly going to check them out since I live here too. Um, but what are, what are your favorite foods here in Thailand or just in Bangkok in general? Well, I, this is kind of an embarrassing thing to say because I live in Thailand and Thai food is so universally loved, but my favorite food is Indian food. Uh, and and uh, Thailand has some really good Indian food. So there's like there's a little joint hole in the wall joint around the corner from my my building, which is just great greasy. Like he's got all the ambience of a doctor's office, but it's just a really good food. Um, but if for Indian food, like I love wandering around down down in Paharat in Little India, uh, around the old Siam, and uh, it's just great Indian street food and samosas and just really cool restaurants and like everything is a hole in the wall, but everything is awesome. Um, Thai food, I mean, I love lab mu, the minced pork. On, on a bike ride, you can't do have a better snack than 
um, barbecued pork with sticky rice, barbecued mm, pork right. on a stick. I guess so. And Bangkok also has some really good, uh, really good Western food, especially smokehouses like Smoke and Pug is amazing. And there's a there's a place close to me called um, uh, Feed the Beast, which has the best pulled pork burger I've had in Bangkok. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's it's a great city, I guess, if you are a food lover. For sure. I mean, no matter what, yeah, my, no matter what it is, my fiance and I started a, a thing last year. Of course we had to stop it because of COVID trying to find the best burger in Bangkok. You know, every month we were going out to try a new, a new burger place over in RE or, or anywhere, you know, oh. so, so many great hamburgers, even like you don't think of Bangkok as being a hamburger city, but there's some really good hamburgers in Bangkok. You can find a great burger. Interesting. A few years ago, a guy, I sort of like a, an acquaintance, I sort of know, he yeah. started a thing called the Bangkok Burger Blog. Oh, really? Um, yeah, this is about 10 years ago now. Actually, I I just looked it up. It's bangkokburgerblog.wordpress.com. Awesome. So it's still up. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. I, I think I think it's abandoned, but it still exists as a okay, blog. Okay, yeah. okay. Cool. That's, um, that's super cool. Yeah, I think the best burger for my taste is, uh, is um, I mean, probably the burger at um, El Mercado Steakhouse on Sukhumit 19 by Terminal 21. Not cheap, but damn, is it? Tasty. Yeah. And also the Middle Eastern food at uh, Soy 3 slash 1, Sukhumit 3 slash 1, um, Little Arabia. It's just, you know, outside of COVID, uh, it's such a bustling, vibrant area and every restaurant is just amazing Middle Eastern food. All right. Well, um, awesome, Greg. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. We, we love just having people on to talk about their experiences and their adventures and uh and just kind of chat about living in cool different places. Um, yeah, and that was that was a lot of fun. So where can people find you? Where can people catch up with you if they want to uh, chat with you online or, or see what you're up to? Yeah, well, uh, we, my friend and I have been doing uh, the Bangkok podcast, bangkokpodcast.com, since, uh, well, we started it in 2010. Uh, that went till 2012, and then we took a break. And then I got a new co-host for season two that ran from 2016 to 2000. 18 and then i got a new co-host for season uh three and uh that co-host is my current co-host ed and we're currently in season five we do a show every week uh just about life in bangkok and interviewing some we've had some really good interviews lately and we've got some really cool ones coming up uh got got some ambassadors to talking to and oh um, cool Cool, cool. To, uh, the most recent show was with, um, I'm not sure when you're going to hear this podcast listener, but the most recent show as we record this with, was with Joe Cummings, you know, Lonely Planet legend, legendary travel writer. Um, and that was a really fun interview. So we just, we just like, like digging into what it takes to live here and trying to decipher Thai culture. Yeah. And I'm also on, I'm also on uh, Twitter, uh, BKK Greg and Instagram, BKK Greg as well. Super. Yeah. I would say for me, the podcast has been a really cool way to kind of connect with the city more than I, than I was before. It's, it's a lot of fun. I would say even check it out, even if you don't live in Bangkok, because it's just super interesting. And I feel like if you're even interested in expat life or just what life is like on the other side of the world, check it out. I would agree. I'm a little bit biased, but thank you for the, <laughs> for the uh, sentiment. <laughs> All right. Super. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Hopefully um, in a couple months, all of this COVID stuff is going to be finished and I'll be able to get you a beer to say thank you. So uh, yeah, you me to at the end of a bike ride. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I need to get myself a bike. And if I do, I will definitely send you a message and let you know. Cool, <laughs> man. Well, it was good to talk to you. 
All right, welcome back. So I really enjoyed my my chat with Greg. Greg is a good guy, and we like Canadians here. <laughs> our our last three guests have all been Canadians, and you're French Canadian, so your brother's kind of Canadian, right? Our great grandfather was a Quebecois, <laughs> so <laughs> which is interesting to me that then this is off track. But I've only ever met like one Canadian and you found three. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Canadians. They're great. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I met a lot of Canadians while traveling. Mm-hmm. They, they like to travel like we do. Well, true. And also Americans pretend to be Canadians while traveling. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway. I, I really enjoyed that interview. I hope that it was interesting to kind of hear a little bit of like an insider perspective about expat life and all it, that. It was. And I liked hearing it from somebody else's point of view because you're the only c- connection that I have. Yeah. Really. And so I don't know why I said really. You you are legitimately the only connection In, I have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> hearing someone else that had similar experiences and how they – experienced life and he's been there what 20 years yeah. something like that just how someone has went there on a whim and then mm-hmm. their life just changed which is very similar to your story yeah i really like the idea of his you know bike trips where you yeah. get on a bike and you plan a route through all the different streets and alleys and everything else and and i i really think that's cool because i had an experience like that while getting off at the at the wrong stop on the river taxi yeah as you're walking through these alleys and these streets and, you know, people are very friendly. They'll, they'll, they'll bite you over. They want to talk to you. They, you yeah. know, and it's really cool because you can tell that they don't get people down there very much. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really interesting. And so I liked hearing about that. I think it's a good way to explore, you know, it's, it's better than driving around and, and being stuck in traffic and it kind of gets you really in the thick of it. I, I yeah. suppose. I liked hearing his IUTA story, which I can relate to being hot in IUTA. Oh, it's, it's miserable. It's, awful. it's never nice there. Why? <laughs> it's never nice. It, it's such, it's got such cool history and cool archeology span and architecture yeah. and everything else. And it's amazing. There's no shade. And you're dying the whole time. <laughs> I know you get back to where your bike is and you sit on the couch in the bike rental place and you just drink like four beers dying. Anyway, but I love it. Yeah. One thing I really appreciated was the talk about having like a personal project, even if it's for no other reason than just forcing yourself to go and explore. And to me, that's kind of what this podcast is. This podcast really helps me get out and explore. You know, Greg has his Bangkok doorways, Instagram account, and his friend had the burger, the burgers, you know, the burger blog that he mentioned. Mm -hmm. Just having some sort of personal project is a really cool way of kind of organizing yourself and putting yourself out on ventures with purpose. I think that's a great way of, of appreciating a city, even when you've lived there a long time, because mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you get lazy when you've lived somewhere a long time, but if you have a reason to be going out and exploring, it stays fresh. It's very easy to get complacent and lazy. You know, I'm guilty of it. And it's why every week lately, I've been trying to really set aside Mm-hmm. the project for myself. I need to do this, this, this. Yeah. Even if it's little, it's just to keep you going. Really? You need, I need it. And this, this podcast has been great for that. Mm-hmm. I was itching to record by the time today rolled around. I was like, I want, I need it. I know. 
but yeah, so I'm, uh, it's funny that you said that you had, um, you know, pulled out your mountain bike <laughs> this week because that's what we were talking a bit about here is biking. And, and, uh, Greg's emailed me since, because we actually recorded this a couple weeks back. Uh, Greg's emailed me since, and he said a buddy of his is moving and is looking to sell his mountain bike, which actually was Greg's originally. So I, he's like, Hey, do you want to come in uh, and pick up this mountain bike and just buy it for a couple thousand baht? And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I, I'd love a bike. Cause like I nice. keep saying, I gotta get a bike and a mountain bike is definitely the way to go. Yeah. So, so I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, he said, come over and, uh, and check it out. So I'm going to go check it out. So I'm going to be buying hopefully a third hand mountain bike that used to be Greg's. And I'm excited because that's going to give me a new opportunity. It's going to open these doors for me. And I'm hoping to try to do kind of like he does and go on some explorations via bicycle. That sounds really cool. And it would be great as long as you're not like on the main roads like he was talking about. And I really sort of want to start getting back into that because I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So Greg kind of inspired me for that. That's great. That's great. I love how our guests have been inspiring us to do new mm-hmm. things. This this podcast is kind of like therapy for us. To <laughs> It really is. <laughs> to get us out doing stuff and break Thank our Thank you to routines. all of our guests for playing therapist. Yeah, all of our, our favorite Canadians. <laughs> all of our guests have to be Canadian now. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking to Greg. So Greg, thank you again for coming on the show mm-hmm. and, uh, everyone, please do definitely check out the Bangkok podcast. It's very good. So last week, your adventure in the news was about Everest, correct? It was, it was about that Sherpa who's set a world record. Mm-hmm. Mine today is about K2, which is the second highest mountain. And the most dangerous, I believe, right? And the most dangerous, yes. K2 is the second highest mountain in the world at 28,251 feet or 8,611 meters. Okay. A team of 10 Nepali climbers, they reached the summit on Saturday, January 16th. So this is a little bit old. Okay. And it is the last of the world's 14 tallest mountains to be summited in the winter. Ooh. So. So this is the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, to think about the fact that people have been climbing K2 for, I don't know, say a hundred years and they've never been able to get to the top in the winter. Uh, K2's extremely steep faces demand strong technical skills while simultaneously exposing climbers to frequent rock fall and avalanches. Mm. So it's much steeper than Everest once you get close to the summit. And more than 4,000 people have reached the summit of Everest. Only 367 have summited K2. Wow. And none had done so in the winter. Wow. Until, until now. Mm-hmm. Well, until That's crazy. January. Crazy. The team endured temperatures in excess of negative 58 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, several tents and cache of equipment were left in preparation for the summit were blown off the mountain. Um, they reached camp two and there was nothing left. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> oh no. Everest was first climbed in the winter in 1980. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until 1987 that anyone even attempted to do so in K2. So very impressive. Yeah. I thought it was cool that it connected 
that is quite a feat. Man, I, I just I hadn't realized like I knew it was more dangerous. I didn't realize how exponentially more difficult mm-hmm. it was. Like I, I figured that, you know, the number would be slightly less than Everest. I didn't realize no, way less. Way less like that. Like three hundred people. That's that's crazy. And I love the pictures. Oh, I love the summit pictures that they take because everyone takes off their gloves and their masks for like 10 seconds, yeah. takes a picture and then immediately heads down just to be there. You know, the thing about K2 is like, I get it that it's, it's a big feat and it's like such a thing to do. It's like really difficult to do. And it's much harder than Everest, but to say, Oh, I climbed the second tallest mountain in the world. just doesn't quite seem nearly as impressive. Like, if it's climbing season, you get to the top of the K2 and it's like, hey, I'm the second tallest human right now. I know. The second highest human. But there might be Except a guy for everyone on a plane. There might be, well, okay. But that. that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I just thought it was cool. I, I really, I like mountain climbing stories. Yeah, because it's, it's like, I mean, if you think about adventure, like, like the, the classic definition of adventure, like. Who's an adventurer? I mean, Edmund Hillary, Tenzing Norgay, mm-hmm. the guys that climbed Everest. Like, they're real adventurers, right? Not our podcast's idea of an adventurer, but, like, they're, like, real adventurers. These guys are legit. And you have to be physically fit. You have to be very strong mentally as well mm-hmm. to do it. I mean, how easy would it be to have, like, a breakdown up there? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? Right. But you can't. If you I, do that, you die. And I think, like, most physical things the mental part is, is often harder. Yeah. Because if, if you get to a point where your brain, where you've decided that you don't, you can't do it anymore, then you can't. Right. But anyway, congratulations to these Nepali mountaineers. They're very proud. Nepal is very proud. I'm sure. I bet. I bet. Wow. 14 mountains. Now they've all been summited in winter. I know. That means every, every continent I would get. Well, maybe not. Cause I don't think, I'm, okay, I'm sure like Uluru has been summited in the winter. That's not like <laughs> that impressive. <It's>, yeah. <laughs> but well, congratulations to the climbing team. That's incredible. All right, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to participate in our brand new monthly challenge. Photograph a bird. You can send it. You can send your pictures to us. Hello at attemptadventure.com. Or share them on Instagram, hashtag AttemptAdventure. You can always contact us by going to our website, AttemptAdventure.com, emailing us, hello at AttemptAdventure.com, or clicking on the little Contact Us button on said website. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, where we're AttemptAdventure. You can find us on Twitter, at AttemptPod. And uh, if you if you contact us, we will try to get back to you as soon as possible. If you yes, have, definitely. If you've been on an, an adventure yourself and you'd like to be a guest on the show, shout out to us. Or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about or a question you'd like us to answer, get in touch and we will maybe plan an episode about it. Yeah. Love As to hear always, from you. Yeah. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Give us a like and uh, tell your friends. And until next time, keep adventuring. Keep adventuring.
Okay, so Kyle, you live near the beach. I want a seagull. Okay. <laughs> but like the best seagull. Okay. Like a, a pristine, exemplary, I don't know, magnificent seagull. Like, yeah. Like old, old Brandon. Brandon himself. <laughs> we'll love we'll to tell that story at some point. Mm-hmm. Old Brandon is a seagull. That's all mm-hmm. we're leaving it at that. <laughs> and a road. Yeah. Wait, hang on. Let the dogs howl for a second. Howl. <laughs> pretend, pretend they're wolves. Pretend they're right. in a cabin. I'm in Alaska. Just, just if you just close your eyes and, and imagine. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be really scary to hear wolves that close to you. And, That's I mean, too many wolves. <laughs> It's just too much. There's no, there's no reason for that. <laughs> no reason for the howling. Dogs it's are crazy. Fifty-five in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs are wild. Yep. They're still, they're still going. Hmm. Okay. 